0: We are really excited to have Dr. Michael Bruce on the show, who, if those of you who don't know uh, who Dr. Bruce is, Dr. Bruce is the sleep doctor. I want to emphasize the sleep doctor. Um, so he is the expert in the field when it comes to sleep. He's got his PhD, um, multiple appearances on Dr. Oz, and, and you are on that quite a bit. Uh, you're a clinical psychologist. Uh, You're a diplomat of the American Board in Sleep Medicine, a fellow uh, of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. And this is really cool. I really like this, that you were the youngest person to pass the medical specialty board exams at 31 years old. I mean, that's... Without going to medical school. Without going to medical school. That's the part right there that's that's just mind-blowing that is amazing. And that specialty obviously is in sleep disorders. And we're going to get into that, but we were talking a little bit before we actually hit record and and I blew this whole thing up by messing up your name. So I apologize. What's new, what's new, but what, what we, what we really want to hear about is how you became the best in your field and how you became the sleep doctor. Because, not every journey is easy. You didn't wake up being the the smartest person in the room, and it just nope. came. You had to work your tail off. So let's let's go back in your journey. Go back to childhood. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what it was like being raised, uh, what your parent dynamic was, siblings. You know what it was like sure. going through school, and you know maybe what you're passionate about.
1: So I was born and raised in uh, just outside Atlanta, Georgia, in Sandy Springs, Georgia um and uh i am a bulldog just to be clear oh yeah um, george bulldog and, <laughs> um and um you know i was born and raised in sandy springs georgia i'm an only child um so it was just me and my folks and um around age 9 my parents got separated and unfortunately um my father went through some very uh difficult uh financial times at the time and so um he went bankrupt And um, I was living with him. And so I'm 52 years old and you can, so that's going back 43 or 44 years. You can imagine what it was like for a single father and his son um, and having no money. So we bought my clothes at Kmart. Wait a minute, wait a minute,
2: wait a minute. I don't mean to, so mother and father separated. What happened to mother? Was mother still in your life?
1: So mother was not in my life for an extended period of time. Um, she was not a child friendly person. She wasn't a bad person mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination, no abuse, nothing like that. She just wasn't interested. And my dad was. And so you can imagine 40 years ago, what you had to do to get full custody of your son yeah. if you were a father. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah. amazing! So I'm just going to leave amazing. it as bad. That yeah. yeah. That's, that's totally fine. Yeah. Totally yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, and so I chilled with my dad and, um, What I learned from my dad, every single day he would come home, I was a latchkey child. So for folks who don't know what that means, my grandparents would pick me up from school, they would bring me to my home, and they would lock me in my home until my father came home. This was a very common practice, by the way. Yes, I agree.
2: I was one as well.
1: Right, right. You know, back in the 70s and in the 80s, this was not anything crazy, Mm -hmm. you know, being done. Um, And when my dad would come home, um, we would have dinner together. We had the exact same dinner every single night for two years because that was what we could afford. We ate rice a roni every night. Or, <laughs> oh, oh, no, I'm sorry, man. hamburger helper. That's hamburger what we had. Hamburger, help. uh, hamburger helper. So we had a pound of you know 70-30 chuck. Yeah. <laughs> that we would mix up and we would throw in the hamburger helper and we literally ate the same meal every single day.
2: Can you eat that hamburger helper today? I
1: fucking hate <laughs> just going to be honest. Yeah. There oh, we go. I, like it. I, love, I love it. it. <laughs> right. Um, but, but every single night when we ate, um, he would say to me, what did you learn in school today? And I would tell him, and then I would say, what did you learn in work today? And he would tell me. And the thing that I realized from my father was he never, ever stopped. He just never stopped. Mm-hmm. He never stopped working, never stopped trying. He just never stopped. Um, and I, I picked that up, that, that consistency, that, that, that pace, if you will, of just never stopping. He never felt like he was, you know, down. He never felt like he was going to give up. By the way, when he went bankrupt, um, over 70 people were in the courtroom trying to get money from him. Wow! Oh, so it was not a pretty no. <laughs> scenario. And by the way, he went bankrupt twice. Oh, so, what field you know, was he risk in? Taker, you know, my, my dad loves to take those risks. Yeah. yeah, um,
0: <laughs> yeah. What field um, and, was he in? that's
1: partially, and well, that's partially why I took the path that I did. Got so it. my father never finished college. Mm. Um, he was a life insurance salesman for a while. Then mm. he did real estate for a while, things like that. And so the big emphasis was get through high school and get to college. Right. And so I did. And so I was very fortunate. Um, we figured out financially how to get me through college. And um, I went to Skidmore College in upstate New York. Um, Division three, there's no real great sports there, anything (laughs) like that. Um, But it was great because, uh, and the reason that I chose the school is because of the male-female ratio. There were two girls for every boy. Oh,
2: smart (laughs) man. Look at you. Look at you. You were
0: were born smart.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
2: You know what it was. I'm noticing this. you, You made mention of your father would come home and he would say, you know, how was school today? Right. Uh, what did you learn at school? And you would say right back to him, you know, what did you do at work or what did you learn at work today? Right. right. So
3: you are an old soul. I was going to say, cause at nine years old, I did not care what my dad was doing all day. No. And I didn't want to tell him what I was doing all day. That's for sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, know, you know, my dad always made it, um, acceptable, to talk about whatever was going on in my world. For him, it was incredibly important um, that we have that connection. Um, And, and he would bring me to, he would discuss business stuff with me. um, And I would learn from him and I would ask him questions. And there were times where I had ideas that he would implement in his business world because he was like, holy crap, that's a great idea, Michael. So I always felt that camaraderie there. And actually to this day, I do that with my son as well.
2: So wait a minute. So you, you take your son. Do you ever take your son to the, some of your business meetings that you have now? All the time. He's my scribe. How old is so, your son right now?
1: Uh, he just turned eighteen. He's actually going to USC next year. Awesome! All Congratulations! Right. Fight on! Yeah, I've been I've been taking him since he's been probably ten or eleven years old. I've been taking him to business meetings with. Man, that is no incredible. That is yeah, my dad did it with me, and and so what we did, what we do is he's the scribe, right? So he takes the notes. Yeah. And I tell everybody ahead of time. I'm like, look, here's how this works. This is my son, he's my scribe. He's going to be taking notes for all of us. He's allowed to ask anybody whatever question he wants. If you don't like it, we're not doing business. That's and awesome. I right that's that's wow. awesome. Hey,
2: Jaden. Get your ass in here. But tell you
4: I'm yelling at
2: my pen, paper. Bring
4: it. I'm yelling so at so my 19-year-old. Let,
1: let me tell you the best part about this is I've never had in a business meeting, I've never had somebody say no, he can't be here. Everybody wants to ask him questions, not me. Mm -hmm. And everybody always asks me the same question at the end. How'd you get him interested in what you do? And the answer is incredibly simple. I brought him. Mm. Oh, just bring into things, right? Like these kids, they've got these great big minds, right? Just stick them in the pot. You know, but right? what we
2: do as parents is that we put them in boxes. Like me, I'll no. put my son in, in a box and say, hey, you're with me. Yeah. And that's exactly what I need to start doing. I mean, I've never thought. And how simple is that, Ben? I mean, really, how, how simple is that to say, yeah. you know, bring to bring myself because I always want At some point, I'm always trying to teach him business along the the way anyway. So why not get firsthand knowledge, sit in the meeting, understand how you're going back and forth, uh, you're negotiating or just having a basic conversation just to see here, the dialogue. That's, that's, that's value in itself. So it's it's actually got two forms of value. One is he actually
1: hears the business that's going on, but the second is is he's become incredibly comfortable speaking with adults. Mm. Um oh, and that's yeah, a great oh, skill set it. to have as a young man, right? Absolutely. Like he knows and understands. Like when we walk into a room together, we both shake everybody's hand and we work on his handshake and he looks people in the eye. Like we do all all, you know, all the things that your dad or mom or whomever was mm. important in your life, you know, probably showed you how to do in terms of Connecting and creating those relationships; those are things that are important for us. I'm just sitting here oh, thinking,
3: so, what was the first? But what was the first time, like, from his mm-hmm. perspective, was he all for it? Was he like, yeah, excited, or did you kind of have to bring him, drag into the first meeting?
1: You know, he's always excited. Um, he's an entrepreneur. You know, he's mm. like me. He's like he's a little bit of a hustler. Um, I mean, I haven't even told you the interesting aspects of my life yet. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. no, this is this is already
4: fascinating.
1: <laughs> I'm just talk, I'm just telling you about my son. My son is a lot like me in that he is an old soul for sure. And we've been calling him an old soul for Mm. his entire existence. Um, And um, we just let his natural curiosity um, flourish. And so it it was, I don't even remember if I asked him if he wanted to come, or if he just came, or if I just said, hey, why don't you come join me for this? and he found it interesting. He found it fascinating. I think partially because I'm his dad and, you know, he was, you know, sure, yeah. he's kind of got that complex of, you know, dad's a cool dude type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I also think at the end of the day, he was seriously interested in, in what was going on. And now um, he's going to USD. He's going to be, he's actually in, involved in an incredibly interesting program there. It's, he'll get a triple major in art design and the business of innovation. Huh. It's a special program at USC. It's called the Iovan Young Academy. So it's, it's pretty fascinating when you start to take these minds, these these open sponge minds of our children, and you put them into universes that they're not usually in. It's incredible the stuff that they come up with.
2: What's your son's um, name? My son's name is Cooper Cooper.
3: Hey, good name. Nice. My, my I have a three-year-old name. named Cooper. So that's awesome. There you go. There you
1: go. Um, so anyway, so, uh, I'll get back to the, yeah, dad, to the craziness of my story.
0: Talk, talk through high school uh, and yep. school for you. What was that like? You know, were you involved sure. in, uh, what activities were you involved in? Was it mm-hmm. sports? Was it, you know, and then schooling, was it, was it challenging for you? Did you love mm-hmm. it? What was that like? Mm-hmm.
1: So I hated school. Um, it wasn't my favorite thing. And the reason why I hated school was I was a nerd and I hung out with the nerdy guys and I wasn't as smart as the other nerds. So I was <laughs> The like guy with a PhD says I wasn't as smart as the <laughs> other nerds. Three. Um, so it was it was funny because in my high school, they had a special program for gifted kids. And so, and all of my friends were in the gifted kids thing. And so one day I was, I didn't know why I wasn't in it. I figured I must be gifted. So I walked in there and I asked the woman and she said, you're not smart enough to be in our program. And I got that at like eighth or ninth grade. How did you respond to that? It kind of set an interesting pace for me. One was because the gifted kids could get into these special advanced classes. So I couldn't get into those classes, but I got to be honest with you. I was kind of pissed, you know? And I was like, okay, I'm gonna prove that one wrong. There goes the
2: chip. There goes the chip on the shoulder, right?
1: Right, right. Mm -hmm. Now, to be fair, I didn't have that level of intellectual horsepower that my friends did. I'm a grinder. Like, to Mm -hmm. be clear, I work really, really hard. I'm not some savant. I'm not some guy with some massive IQ that's out there. I know how to study and I know how to take tests, you know? And I know how to (laughs) kind of get that thing done. And so for me, high school, um, I was more interested in girls and parties um, than I was in in academics. Um, I wrestled uh, and um, I played yeah. football. Um, back then, unfortunately, um, at the high school that I was at, there was a lot of... Um, I'm not sure how to, I guess the best way to put it is anti-Semitism. Mm. So mm. there was a lot of people who didn't like Jewish people. Mm. And um, I happen to be Jewish. And so our coach um, would have all the Jews do 50 extra push-ups, and all the Jews. Oh, that is oh yeah. The whole thing. But it backfired. We were all in better shape than any of other <laughs> guys halfway
4: through the season. <laughs> Even, dude,
3: that's funny. So Not you funny.
2: created this. I mean, there was an edge. I mean, and you still have this. And, and just in our brief conversation, there's an edge to you. And Ben and I had this conversation before you got here, Tyler. Here we go again. Late, 30 minutes yeah, here late. Here we go here. again. We had this conversation uh, 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 about having an edge to you and mm-hmm. evidently you cut this this happened in high school to you totally. i mean you just think about the things that you've had to overcome you know early on couldn't get into to 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 certain classes because they felt like you weren't Darren smart enough. Darren couldn't and either then, so that's yeah, why he can't me, say what they, been in <laughs> the gifted classes any, any honor classes ever but okay. you know not only that but then you go through the on the sporting side and the uh, anti-semitism that was you know Thrown right into your face. I mean, you've had to overcome a lot in in a you know from in a four year period.
0: Yeah, and not to mention a single parent household that your father yes. was also grinding and witnessing that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's me.
1: That's just. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know any better, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you just you just go, right? I mean, that's just how I was built. Is I just I just went. So I graduated high school, um, and um, honestly, I I wasn't really that into college. Um, I wasn't sure if I even wanted to go. So I took a gap year between high school and college and I worked. Mm. Um, because my dad said, You're not gonna sit in this house and not work yep. uh, or go to school. It's one of the two. And so I got a job. And um he got me a job in a in a really good uh Mexican restaurant, and I was the fry cook ah. uh, for a year.
4: <laughs> yes.
1: And it was all intentional because one of his friends owned the restaurant, yeah. and it was basically like we're going to make sure Michael knows and understand what it's like to not have a
4: college <laughs> yes. education. Yes.
3: I tell people all the time, you need to have some sort of job where either you do physical labor or you're serving Perfect. somebody. Yeah. One of those yeah. two, because it gives you to your point, it gives you such
1: a perspective that you wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. Completely, completely. So, um, so I was the quesadilla boy um, <laughs> at Rio Bravo. <laughs> I had a flat top grill and I was making quesadillas left and right. Um, I quickly uh, established the fact that I wanted to go to school. Um, and so then I did. I was, able to, I was fortunate I was able to go to Skidmore, two girls for every boy once again. Yeah. had a great time there, um, studied psychology, thought I wanted to go to medical school. So I graduated and then took a year and did all of my pre-meds in a year, um, thinking this is the route that I'm going to take. And then at the end of that year, I realized that I was really interested in psychology. I was really interested in how the brain works, Not necessarily how the body works. And I thought to myself, why would I go to medical school for four years when I'm only going to get like a six week rotation Mm -hmm. in psychology? Because at that time I had no interest in sleep. I didn't even know sleep was a discipline at that time, to Mm -hmm. be honest with you. Um, So, you know, I kind of I kind of went that route and then said, I don't think I want to do that. I think I want to get my Ph.D. So I went and I applied for and I uh, was accepted to the University of Georgia um, Ph.D. in clinical psychology program. So that's a five year program. um, And uh, it's really interesting. And so I decided, I mean, I was at the University of Georgia. Why not go into sports psychology, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got some of the I mean, it's one of the premier sports psychology programs in the country. Mm -hmm. I mean, the research that they do there is intense. It's incredible. So I got in there and I started working with a guy who was interested in sleep and sports. Um, And circadian rhythms and sports. And that was really my first entree into this whole idea that, hey, this could be kind of interesting um, to to do something with. And um, and so I I decided I was going to go into sports psychology. So I started taking all my classes in the sports psychology department and things like that. So in clinical, you have to do what's called a residency. So a lot like an MD. Mm. Once you finish your education, you have a practical year long experience. So this is where you guys will get a kick out of this. So the best sports psychology program for what I was interested in, which was eating disorders in athletes, was at the University of Mississippi Medical Center in Jackson, Mississippi. Mm. Okay. Now, being a Sandy Springs boy, I had no problems being in the deep, deep south yeah. um, of Jackson, Mississippi. So I was really excited and I really wanted to get into this program. Here's the problem. It's the number one program in the country. So only the Harvards and the Yales and the Princetons are the mm. people who got to go to that. I mean, George's top twenty program, but I didn't get in. Um, and so, but what was interesting was they had a track, they had a specialization track, a sleep track. I. I had worked my way through graduate school working in the electrophysiology department so you know that kid that you knew who liked to take apart the telephone and yes. put it back together and yes. only had a couple of extra pieces that was me yeah i think that was one of you guys yeah there it. is exactly. one right here in the middle that does, does always a couple done the pieces same thing over, like what do you need these for yeah. right? <laughs> so, so i was that guy but i did that with eeg machines ekg machines like all of the medical equipment so i kind of went from telephones To science. And Mm. that was what I just kind of had an affinity for. It turned out all these machines that I'd been working on for four years were the same machines they use in the sleep lab. And I had no idea, dude. I mean, I had no idea. So I said to myself, here's what I'll do I'll sell myself as a sleep guy. And then I'll just transfer once I get there.
0: Once you're and in, I, you're in. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I'm like, just
1: because I didn't walk through your front door doesn't mean I'm not going to be in your program. <laughs> right. So I get there, I get accepted and I get there and they're like, okay, we get it. You want to transfer, but you promised us and we, you've got to do at least, you know, this first portion in the sleep lab. And I'm like, sure, no problem. Sleep. How, how tough can it be? Right. Uh, Sound looks, I mean, I know how to sleep How yeah. right. This should be interesting. Right. By the third day, I absolutely fell in love with clinical sleep medicine, and I knew I would never change my career path ever again. Dude, I help people like this. It's unbelievable. I like how the
2: confidence, like, wait a minute. You just said like this. Absolutely.
4: Absolutely. Just like
2: the confirmation, like you just, like, I'm the baddest I'm, this, I, I I'm the, the dude.
1: I am the sleep doctor you're ever, ever going Love to be. You, you,
3: <laughs> you did say after three days, you knew. What was it about after those three days that you were so drawn to?
1: I help. It's, the, it's helping people that quickly was mm. so fascinating to me. So here's the thing is in traditional clinical psychology, right? You're working with people with depression, with anxiety, with all these different things. That can take months, even years to see any level of treatment gains you change somebody's sleep, you change their life. Yeah, It happens literally overnight. So if I can recognize symptoms of sleep apnea and get somebody in a lab and get them on a CPAP machine in literally 48 hours, I have dramatically changed every aspect of their entire existence just by getting them higher quality sleep. I mean, it's amazing. Like, you don't. In medicine and in psychology, you just don't get opportunities like that to have that Mm. big of an effect on a human, usually ever, unless you're like a surgeon or an ER doc, you know, where there's like an emergent situation going on that you can fix that. I'm talking about long-term chronic changes. Those don't come around very often. And sleep is a really cool area to figure out.
2: Do you remember the first person you worked with and worked on that you really made a huge impact on uh, as far as sleep is concerned?
1: I do, but it's not a great story, but I'm, I'll tell it anyway. I, I, there's a one story that I remember very particularly um, that had a huge effect on me. Um, so I walked into, you ever get into a situation where you know a lot about a topic, but there's something wrong? Like you just like the hairs on the back of your mm-hmm. neck are standing up, like something is not right here. So I was in the middle of an assessment um, with a patient for insomnia, and he just kept saying things that I just was like, God, this does not feel Like, this feels like a bigger, badder issue. And so I started to bring in specialists, and um, I I ended up diagnosing him with cancer from his
4: exome.
1: Wow. That was just incredibly impactful for me. Number one, I'm a PhD, not an MD. So that's a whole universe I've never been involved in. So, of course, I was bringing in specialists and things like Mm. that, but it's just like, It's like, holy crap.
0: So did it only manifest itself (laughs) Mm. in like the lack of sleep insomnia or were there other physical ailments that he felt and he just wasn't recognizing them?
1: It turned out that he had a tumor Um, um, and it was causing, it was pushing on a sleep center that was causing the insomnia. And that's what we discovered. He ended up unfortunately passing away. Um, But we, we really gave him a tremendously better quality of life towards the lack back part of that yeah sleep is a window like when you're not sleeping well like it's actually a signal or a sign to you to say take a look like i get it you know you're stressed out or you had a little bit too much coffee before you know later in the day or whatever occasional sleeplessness that's fine i get that too look i mean i'm human right but when we're talking about chronic Mm. insomnia here there's something else going on sometimes it's mental sometimes it's physical in that case it, it turned out to be physical Right. But it's fascinating when you start to when you start to see these these connections. Right. I'll give you another example. I had a patient. um, So this this is a crazy story. So I have a patient. um, uh, So in REM sleep, you are paralyzed completely during REM sleep. And the reason you're paralyzed is that so you don't act out your dreams. Okay. Uh Huh. Right. Cause otherwise you'd be, you know, be all over the place.
4: Right? Right. Yeah. So
1: as I said, I'm from a small town outside Atlanta, Georgia, Sandy Springs, Georgia. Uh, it's a decent sized hunting community. Right. And if you're a hunter, you know, that if you shoot a doe and you don't kill it, you either have to slit its throat or crack its neck, right? It's the <laughs> most humane thing to do. Right. This guy woke up with his wife's head ready to crack. Come on. Her what neck? No shit. I swear to God, we got it on film. It's unbelievable. Right. And he was completely asleep. <laughs> Completely
2: asleep. Oh, oh so man, he, he says
4: guys, so <laughs> <No way>. <laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs> we don't
4: believe you
1: dog. So the first question I always get asked is: Did he kill her? Right? That's right. the first question yeah. people. Did he kill her? No, he didn't kill her. That's right. number one. Number two, are they still married? <laughs> he is a very patient woman. Let's just put it back. Oh, <laughs> Now here's now here's where it gets really interesting and slightly serious is we were able to diagnose him with what's called REM behavior disorder where this per- paralytic mechanism is no longer at play and, and you're acting out your dreams with one medication called clonopin at a quarter of a milligram kept him in bed no none of this behavior perfectly fine here's where it gets interesting thirty five percent of people with with um, REM behavior disorder it's a precursor for Parkinson's syndrome mm. oof. Wow. And he was one of them. And we got him into neurology 10 years before we saw any type of Parkinsonian symptomatology change the course of his.
0: 10 his years? Doctorate. So can you, yeah. can you actually combat it ahead of time and give them that's either what a, I'm saying. oh my gosh, that's amazing. Having
1: so. that kind of lead time because of symptomatology that's occurring during your sleep gives physicians a runway by which to work right? That's amazing.
2: Good. So say that's, that's what scares me. Now, now I'm sort of getting a little nervous because doc, I, No, don't get nervous. You know, well, this is the reason why No, don't get nervous. Go see Dr. Bruce. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, seriously. <laughs> By the yeah. time you got his name, right? How about that? Uh, <laughs> but here's my issue. I've always had a problem with sleeping okay. always. I mean, since I was a kid, I'm, I'm up three, four times a day at yeah. night.
1: Problems uh, falling asleep or problems staying. Asleep?
2: No, not no problems going to sleep, mm-hmm. but I'm up three hours later, and I've always okay. just attributed that. But my brain just it won't stop. I've always said that my my mind just continuous. I'm thinking about tomorrow. I'm already you know it's game time on Sunday, or I'm already right. playing the game in my head. But you know during my football career, so that, that was always in in most of my dreams or the thoughts that I had. And the reason why I felt like I was getting up is because I was playing the game Mm -hmm. and even today I'm out and I still have flashbacks of, or thinking of either what's coming up business wise or what I have to get accomplished. So you understand where I'm going, but it's continuous and that's been my excuse forever.
1: Right. So, so we're going to stop your excuse Mm. because we can fix this actually reasonably straightforward right? And so this is exactly what I do with my high performance sleep coaching. So I take people exactly like the three of you, right? So former athletes, CEOs, you know, like high performing individuals. And what we do is we can actually shrink their sleep cycle, but increase the sleep quality at the same time. What do
3: you uh, mean by I sleep can cycle? I give you Sorry. higher
1: quality, less sleep. So huh. people ask me all the time, if I need eight, yes. but I only have six, Can you do that? The answer is yes, we can do that.
0: We literally, we just had a conversation on this show about not having enough time, right? And the Mm high-performing individuals like you talk about, okay, well, I need sleep, so I can't sacrifice sleep or I can't function during the day. But you're saying higher quality sleep for a shorter period of time is much more effective than the longer. Okay. All right. So, hey, there you go, Darren. No more excuses. No more excuses, Darren. Well,
2: I've always, this is the thing I've always heard is what, seven or eight hours of sleep that you need?
1: So that's not true. That's a myth, right? So let's talk about that for just yes. a second. Everybody's sleep need is different. Right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you about my sleep and how my sleep works, right? I'm the sleep doctor. I'm supposed to have the perfect sleep and all this kind of other BS, right? It's not true, right? I'm a human just like everybody else. Yeah. So about three years ago, I started going to bed exactly at midnight. So I'm a night owl. I'm a I'm a night person, have been my whole life. You I don't know if both. you guys are early birds, yeah so I'm a night owl. So I go to bed at midnight and I would wake up at 7.30 without an alarm. My body would just naturally wake me up. Mm. As I got incredibly consistent and had to do more with my wake-up time than with my bedtime, what happened was is that 7.30 became 7.15. Then it became 7 o'clock. Meanwhile, my my bedtime was still exactly the same. My mm-hmm. body was naturally waking me up. Then it went to 6.45. Then it went to 6.30. Guys, I wake up at 6.15 Every single day without an alarm, I fall asleep at midnight. Yep. I sleep basically six hours and 15 minutes, and I'm the freaking sleep doctor.
2: Right? <laughs> <Goodness laughs> Lord.
1: Right? Yeah. So people are like, how do you do that? It's about consistency, and it's about sleeping during my chronotype. That's that early bird night owl thing. So my most recent book, which is called The Power of When, mm-hmm. um, and if people are interested want to learn their chronotype, you can go to Chrono Quiz. We actually took that quiz. We took it. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, we took it. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, well, Darren, did it. you so I'm find did out what you
1: guys are. <laughs> yeah. So once you discover this idea of a chronotype, if you sleep during your chronotypical bedtime and rise time, your sleep cycle begins to shrink, and that's where the magic happens. Oh. Not only that, once you figure once you figure that part out, by the way, you end up with at least an hour, sometimes 90 minutes extra in your day, oh, which is kind of interesting. My right? man. Right? There we go. And and you then start to learn different times of day when you can do different things. So the book isn't just about sleep once you figure out this chronotype thing, there are certain times of day that you're more focused. There are certain times of day that you're more sexually active. There are certain times of day that you're more physically active, like all of these things run based on hormones. Mm-hmm. And so what this is really doing is this is giving you a personal guide to your hormones as they go up and down. So the three of you may have three completely different schedules. So if you don't mind me asking, what were y'all's chronotypes?
0: I was a lion. I okay. was, a, I was a bear. <laughs> Okay. I didn't take it. <laughs> I haven't taken it just yet. No. <laughs> I can tell you right now,
1: you're a dolphin.
3: Uh, Dr. Bruce, we've been, <laughs> we've been telling him for a week to take the quiz. Take the quiz.
1: <laughs> Man, I mean, we got to get you guys. He's lined sleeping too much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Clearly. Uh, so, no. so, so the lion replaces the early bird. Okay. Okay. So it used to be early bird, what we called a hummingbird, and then a night owl. What I did was I added Insomniac to the mix. And I changed the animals from birds to mammals. Number mm-hmm. one, why? Because I'm a mammal, I'm yep. not a bird. Um, and I wanted to identify with that. By the way, from an interesting marketing standpoint, when you're choosing animals that people want to be, nobody wants to be a porcupine. Hey, all tough ones. Alabama, <laughs> hey, that's well. right. I'm we, just were, thinking, we were yeah, pointing yeah. back and forth. <laughs> years, well, I'm a lion. Oh,
0: well, I'm <laughs> a bear.
4: So.
1: <laughs> so we had to well choose played. animals, right? We had to choose animals that people would want to identify with and that actually had the circadian a uh, uh, cycle. So lions right. really are early morning animals. Wolves, which is what I am, are late night creatures. So we we chose and we were very thoughtful. We chose animals that actually abide by the cycle um, and um, were things that people wanted to identify with. The reason I think you're a dolphin is because of your erratic sleep schedule. Dolphins are usually my problem. Children, um, they're <laughs> the people that. Uh, Glad
0: know. somebody finally <laughs> said it. <laughs>
1: They're a lot like lions. So lions actually, there's lion envy out there. So That's people right. There who lions, is. People wish they were lions. Lions are my early to bed, early to rise. Kind of the COOs of a company. Y'all they're hearing this?
4: Y'all
0: hearing this? Coast. But then yeah, lay then around. So then listening. lay around all day and <laughs> let everybody else do all the hunting for them, Right?
4: Isn't that yeah. what it is? <laughs>
1: Lions have a tendency, I don't know about you, lions have a tendency to make a list and they go from step one Oh to my two. gosh, you are <laughs> describing, you are describing, describing me. It's
2: unbel- uh, It's annoying. From my yeah. sleep, you're lions describing that's annoying.
1: crazy. <laughs> right, so now bears are actually the best one to be. <laughs>
4: right?
1: And I'll tell you why. Um, because Take that being man. on a bear schedule <laughs> is the most consistent. So this idea is not new. Um, so if you go back to hunter-gatherer villages, right, think about it like this. The hunters were the lions, right? They were the early morning people because you had to go out before dawn to capture an animal to kill it. The villagers, whoever maintained the village, right? Those were the bears. They get up at a a very regular time. They go to bed at a regular time. They kind of keep the world going. The centuries or the security were the wolves. They were up anyway, right? Right. So So these three people, from an evolutionary perspective, they've been around for thousands of years, Right. The addition is this idea of the insomniac or what I call the dolphin. So, the reason I chose dolphin is because dolphins sleep uni hemispherically. So, half of their brain is asleep while the other half is awake looking for predators. Because remember, they're swimming yeah. all the mm. time. So, if they fall asleep, they could get eaten. Never protected. Right? Yeah. And so I kind of feel like that's a good representation of my insomniacs who are like never quite asleep or yeah. up and down and up and right. down. I think that might be you.
0: So let me ask you that. Can you change? Can that change throughout yeah. your lifestyle? Because I would say I for sure was a wolf early on, <laughs> uh, for sure, because I was up late, no problems, no issues there. And I was more productive like 8 p.m. to midnight. Like that's where I preferred mm-hmm. to get work done. And then and really, it was when I transitioned out of football and into the business world that Mm -hmm. I think that I really did transition. So now it's like, okay, I can't really stay up past 10 o'clock and I get really tired. And but I but I'm, you know, but I'm up at seven o'clock, like without Mm -hmm. an alarm.
1: Yeah. So we call that chrono longevity. Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening is we we all end up going through all of the different chronotypes at different times in our lives. So as an example, as an infant, you're a lion, right? Mm -hmm. Babies go to bed early, they wake up super early. Then when you've got kids that are like in the toddler kind of middle schooler range, they're like a bear, right? They They wake up when the sun comes up, they go to bed when the sun goes down ish. Right. Then when they turn into teenagers, I've got an 18 year old and a 16 year old. But let me tell you something. They are wolves. Yes. Right. They <laughs> want to stay up until two and sleep until 10 yep, and the right. whole thing. Right. And then every once in a while. As we get older, sometimes we can get insomnia because of medical frailty issues or physical issues or things like that. And that's where some people can turn into a dolphin. Mm-hmm. So we do see over the course of a lifetime, people have a tendency to shift. Most people around age 20 seem to set in one of their chronotypes. And then again, around age 45 or 50, I'm 52 and I'm starting to notice it now too, is I'm starting to move a little bit earlier in the day. So I used to be a wolf, wolf, wolf. I mean, I couldn't even consider going to bed before 12:30 31 o'clock now. Uh, Eleven forty-five. I'm starting to, <laughs> you know, it's like I'm 52. I mean, I'm in pretty decent shape, but still, it's like this isn't easy anymore. So we do see it changing across the lifetime, um, and there can be even be certain situations that can be situational. So let's take a look at COVID, right? So we're in the middle of what would arguably be one of the most stressful times in our universe right now, yeah. Yeah. right? I mean, honestly, I don't know anybody who's ever gone to stress like this. It's a unique stress too, to be clear right? Because it's not just my own physical health I'm worried about. I'm worried about my family's health. I'm worried about my friend's health. Like we're all kind of waiting for that phone call to hear like, who's got COVID? Who's in the hospital, right? Did did they die? Did they make it through? What happened? This is a very unique stress that we're all undergoing that's constant. Mm -hmm. So I would argue that now is one of these times where we really need to be thoughtful about our sleep and and maintaining a consistent sleep schedule is is one of those things. So like if I'm sitting back and thinking about your audience and things and people that things that people could do right now to help improve their sleep as they as they're, they they want to improve their performance, um, there's a couple of things I want I want to share with everybody if that's okay. Yeah, yes, absolutely. So step number one is pick one wake up time and stick to it. Okay, none of this sleeping in on the weekends crap. Okay, pick a time. Me personally, I chose the time that I was waking up before COVID. Um, and remember, I wake up naturally at six fifteen, no matter what, right? So pick your time based on when you're naturally waking up, but keep it consistent. And if you're not naturally waking up at a time that you think is good, set an alarm and just do it. it takes twenty one days to form that habit.
2: Okay, so let, let's say this. Let's say you you're, you're, you're say you're waking up because I, I my my alarm that that'll. That wakes me up every day is 5:14 a.m. Okay. okay, and that's fine. And and but I'm so tired because I haven't slept all day. I'm serious. Mm-hmm. Or that, that I wake up and I'm just still. Is the beating, alarm
1: going off at 5:14. No.
2: Or is your head going off? At My 514? head is going off at at 5:14. That's just, it. Just Great. wakes me up every morning. And
1: what time do
2: you go to bed? Uh, about 10 in by 11 ish. 11 11:30. So what I would
1: say that, so what, what I would want to do, so for an example, if you came to see me and we were going to do high performance sleep coaching, the first thing we would do is we get you to take your damn chronotype. So you didn't do your homework, <laughs> I'll do that. Okay. It, it took
0: all of like four minutes. twenty seven seconds
1: If that, um, so what, what we would do is we would discover your chronotype and then I would take your schedule and I would put it into that chronotypical schedule
4: mm-hmm.
1: and that's going to be unique for you. So you might not be getting up at five 14. You might be getting up at, 714 if depending upon what your again depending upon what your chronotype is by the way guys chronotypes are genetic Mm. i can Mm. look i can figure out your chronotype from your 23andme data from your ancestry oh no no really really absolutely no it's a specific this isn't made up bullshit like this is real (laughs) science like i've got over 220 studies in the book like this is this is something that's been studied around the world like this is really interesting cool cool stuff but for but for you what i would suggest is why don't we take it offline and let's talk through it and then have me come back for another show. Yes. I just yeah, yeah, yes,
3: absolutely. And
1: yep. then we kind of talk through what, how did we work together and then people can start to understand what we do because like the first thing that I do with people is we figure out their chronotype. Then I look at their uh, deficiencies as far as supplements are concerned. So I want to know what your magnesium looks like. I want to know mm. what your vitamin D looks like. I want to know what your iron looks like um, uh, uh, melatonin, things like that to understand where your body levels are. Then what I do is I get people to that par level so that their body is no longer deficient. And then we see if you can sleep, right. right? Once we figure that out, then I can say, okay, he's having a hard time sleeping here. Let's put him into his chronotypical bedtime and let's do a couple of quick, easy tricks to make him fall asleep and stay asleep. And then all of a sudden we get there, right? So so back to the ideas that people can do on their own. Mm-hmm. Step number one, keep a consistent bedtime. Right. Step number two has to do with caffeine, Right. So mm. here's the thing about COVID is we're all drinking more caffeine than we ever did sure. before.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And I'll tell you why. It's because we're all stuck on Zoom call after Zoom call after Zoom call. <laughs> and we think, OK, I've got a couple of minutes between calls. My cup is low. I'm going to walk in there and just fill it up. And we don't even realize it. But we're all increasing this caffeine. Most people don't know. Caffeine is a half-life of between six and eight hours. Mm. Mm. Right. So if you don't stop drinking caffeine by about 2 p.m., it's going to influence your ability not only to fall asleep, but to stay asleep.
4: What are you what
0: looking at me for? I, I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm
2: just I, this guy, We have someone that's sitting here that just consumes caffeine. However he can get it, it's in his mouth. Right. So let's talk about
0: that. No pause, yeah. So, yeah, so one on, of the yeah.
1: things that we know is, well, hold on, is that there are different caffeine sensitivities. Mm. Believe it or not, some people are more sensitive to caffeine than others. But I'm going to be very clear on this next point. Caffeine's a stimulant. I don't yeah. care if you're sensitive or you're not sensitive. Yeah. It's going to affect the depth or the quality of your sleep. You may still be able to fall asleep because you're so damn exhausted, yeah. but I'm telling you now, you're not getting into the deeper stages of sleep, which is that physical restoration, which is what you really want to feel good mm. about. That's
0: a great point can, because, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say,
1: if you can stop caffeine by 2 p.m., so uh-huh. step number two, stop caffeine by 2. Okay.
0: No, and, and that's great because I justify it like, Hey, if I'm wiped out at three or four o'clock and I got to push through these last couple of meetings, I'll either, you know, I'll have an energy drink or I'll have a coffee or whatever it is. And because I still can go to sleep at 10, 11 o'clock, but what you're saying is it's not good sleep. Whether okay. It's
1: not the quality of sleep that you're looking for. Okay. I can promise you that. Okay. Yeah. Also, caffeine is a diuretic. And sleep, you function better when you're well hydrated. Most Uh people don't know that sleep in and of itself is a dehydrative event. So -hmm. you guys are all athletes. You understand how the body has to have hydration. Don't forget, the body's still working and using glucose while you're asleep. It's not like you kind of put the car in park. Mm -mm. You really don't. To be honest with you, you put the car in like first gear
4: right mm, like you kind of yeah.
1: go down and you really start to move through the body and the systems and all the systems have to get cleaned out all these things have to happen so hydration turns out to be massively important but if you drink too much water before bed you wake up all night and have to pee
4: right. yeah that's right yeah. oh
1: that's me i know and i don't know, I know if that's his age we is that it. my age that's being is that, that's is being 60. Here's the thing with with hydration, right? Is it's really about balance and it's about prior day hydration. And so it's just about getting into a rhythm. So let's talk about alcohol because that's a that's a form of hydration Mm -hmm. that's not so
0: great. So
1: lots of people, um, well, let me put it to you this way. There's a really big difference between going to sleep and passing out right? Yeah. Uh, that's a good
0: point. It's uh, a great right? point.
1: <laughs> alcohol is the number one sleep aid in the world. More people use alcohol to help them fall asleep than any other substance. So, And it's not a good one. Right. While alcohol makes you feel sleepy, it actually keeps you out of stages three and four sleep. And stages three wow. and four sleep turn out to be your physical restoration. Mm. Would you believe half of your hangover is due to lack of stage three, four sleep? The other half is due to dehydration. So oh. don't drink too close to bedtime it takes the average human one hour to drink one alcoholic beverage so step number three is to stop alcohol roughly three hours before bed depending upon how many alcoholic beverages that you have had if you've had one beer you drink one glass of water you wait one hour before bed two beers two glasses of water mm. two hours before bed once you kind of hit the third beer or whiskey or wine or whatever is your pleasure Different things happen in the body from a metabolic standpoint and from an alcohol reactivity standpoint. For guys, we can get aggressive. Um, it doesn't seem to hit until you've got enough alcohol in your system and also you can get energetic. You ever get, you know, have a couple of beers in you and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, let's go dancing or yeah, that's, yeah. that's not helpful for sleep. Right. Yeah. So if you're going to use the tool of alcohol to relax you and calm you down, you want to keep it to, you know, less than three, three, to, three or less beverages. And you want to give yourself three hours before bed to have stopped alcohol. Mm. Okay. Um, step number four is something that you guys know and love. It's all about exercise. The best way to improve the quality of sleep, aside from not drinking caffeine before bed and not drinking alcohol for bed, is daily exercise. Here's the good news. You don't have to run a marathon. Um, 20 to 25 minutes of cardio is really all that you need to show significant increase in um, stage three, four sleep. Why is that important? That's the stage of sleep that we're finding is the most difficult, um, the one that's most affected by, um, exercise and the most difficult when you don't get it, that's really where you feel that physical exertion. So you really want to be careful. So the problem though, is if you exercise too close to bedtime, you cause a core body <laughs> temperature increase, yeah. right? And it's hard to fall asleep when your body's hot. Cause remember your body goes down in temperature as it goes down to sleep. So we want the environment cooler. We want our bodies cooler. So if we exercise too close to bedtime, our core body temperature is too high. So step number four is to stop exercise four hours before bed. So you'll notice step number one has the word one, stick to one schedule. Step number two, stop caffeine by 2 p.m. Step number three, stop alcohol three hours before bed. Step number four, exercise daily, but stop exercise Mm, four hours before bed. Step number five is an easy one. It has to do with how you wake up. Um, When we wake up in the morning time, the things that we need is hydration and sunlight. It's not caffeine. Okay. And so what we do is when we wake up, you should have by your bedside, a reusable uh, water bottle Mm -hmm. with room temperature water, you 16 to 20 ounces, chug it, just get it in your system. And while you're doing that, walk outside and get some direct sunlight. Mm -hmm. Sunlight turns off the melatonin faucet in your brain. Um, and getting some good fresh air and getting a little bit of movement and some sunshine and some water it's a great way to start your day do me a favor if you walk out right from getting out of bed put on a road i'm just saying not but doc right? i live
0: in the i live in the country so i'm good right i don't need to right like i said
1: <laughs> put on I mean, a road.
0: exactly put something on there's this thing
1: called <laughs> google earth you really want me to look at you in the morning because i
0: can they're always watching Okay. So how much, how much vitamin D do you need in the morning? Is it, is it a quick, just pop outside for a couple of minutes? minutes. Okay.
1: 15 minutes is a great, is a great way to start your day. What I do out there in the morning is I also do my breathing exercises and look, I'm not some yoga meditation, you know, woo woo guy, but here's what I can tell you. Breathing works. Um, the more we, I mean, you guys know that as athletes, the more air you can push, the better you can get your body to work. So I like to really have a nice, good breath work in the morning. So when I'm outside um, drinking my water and having my sunlight, you know, I might do, you know, five or 10 rounds of some type of cyclic breathing. So maybe that's a four, 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 breathe in for a count of four, hold for a count of four, breathe out for a count of four, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Just kind of get the get the pipes moving, get everything mm-hmm. going and flowing. Um, but I'm telling you something, if you do these five things. Yeah. Right now, I can
0: guarantee you your sleep you, Which of these five do you find is hardest for people to follow? And I've got maybe, in my opinion, what mm. I think it is. But what do you, uh, with the people that you're working with? I don't I would say, you know, the
1: people that I work with are very high alpha controlling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do a pretty good job at most of this stuff. I think Uh. it's the waking up at the consistency on the weekends is one of the hardest. Yeah, Yeah.
3: okay. Mm. That's what I'm sitting here thinking because, you know, I'm up at, you know, 4 o'clock, 4.30 during the week, getting my workout in before work and things like that. I'm sitting here thinking, how in the world am I going to wake up at 4.30 on a Saturday or Sunday. <laughs> so you don't so wake up. I thought you
2: did wake up. At not four. that early.
3: No. What time so do you usually sleep? wake
1: up on Saturday and Sunday?
3: Uh, well, depending on what I have to do, 6.30,
1: somewhere on there, 6, 6.30, somewhere in there. So what I would say is if you're normally waking up at 4.30, you can probably give yourself on Saturday probably 30 minutes. Okay. So maybe getting up at 5.00. Oh. Um, and what I would do is I would use that as specific time for self-care. Right, because nobody else is awake.
4: Mm-hmm. You
1: can focus in on what you need to do for you. Right, right. So whether that's business, whether that's journaling, whether that's mentoring, what, whether that's reading articles, because that is going to be your time. And that's one of the nice parts about creating this little space in the morning times, especially on Saturday and Sundays, mm-hmm. is it's a great time to catch up on you. Yes, yes. right, that's and check in point. with you.
3: Well, yeah, that's that's part of the reason I wake up so early is because it, it's the the first hour. There's nobody else in the house that's awake. It's my time and it's literally the only hour I have to myself. So that's interesting.
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting that that two of these five steps have to do with waking up, right? Mm-hmm. As we're addressing as we think about it, sleep, right, is at the end of the day. But reality is the start of your day, you know, has a huge impact on how you finish your day. So and, and I I was thinking yeah. number five would be hard, right? It's like, okay, mm-hmm. hey, water and get outside because now I'm preparing first thing in the morning for how i'm going to sleep mm-hmm. that night.
1: Yeah, and it's really about that consistency and setting that expectation for your body. Mm-hmm. So if your body knows that it's going to be getting up, that it's going to be getting water, that it's going to be getting sunshine, it it literally dictates the tone for the whole day. And and i love the way you looked at that because here's the bottom line. We don't go to sleep because we love sleep. We go to sleep to wake up and feel refreshed. Yes. We mm-hmm. go to sleep to wake up and spend time with our families, mm-hmm. our loved ones, our careers. We don't nobody wants to go to sleep, right? We just want the aftermath of the benefits that sleep really gives us. Now, To be fair, there are people who like sleep, but they also like to escape from the world and and that kind of stuff as well. So again, I just, I think sleep is a, is a function of wake.
2: Yes. And we're seeing that in the sports world. We're seeing that across the board about recovery and how Mm -hmm. serious these, these sports teams are taking recovery now. So one of the things that we've heard, and I want you to, 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 to talk about, like we, what we hear all the time is, you know, we need a good mattress mm-hmm. to go to sleep. I mean, to yep. really get some good sleep. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we need, you know, like, like there's melatonin, there's all these these pills that are out there, and there's sleep pills and all that. Mm-hmm. Give us some of that background, Doc, because there's so sure. many people that are out there prescribing medicines that you probably really don't need. Absolutely. So, so that's a big question right? So there's
1: a lot of different ways to unpack that question. So first, let's talk about the idea of a mattress, pillow, sheets, and what does all that mean? So I believe that sleep is a performance activity, right? And so I'm a runner, right? And I know I can run a race in flip-flops with cutoffs with a torn t-shirt and a boombox on my arm, right? But my time's <laughs> not going to be too good, right. right? But if I've got my ear my pods in, I got my tunes going, I got my dry fit wear, my Asics, I can move. Like I can run 745 mile, no problem right? So it's about the equipment, right? And so if you have the right equipment for sports, you perform better. If you have the right equipment for sleep, you perform better. It's really that simple. Okay. But we all know that equipment doesn't give us this unbelievable edge, gives you a small edge, (laughs) doesn't give you the entire edge, right? And so what I tell people all the time is, is your environment makes up about maybe 15 to 20% of your sleep related issues. So we can, we, I've got the best eye shades. I've got the best earplugs in the world. Like I've got all of that stuff. I can tell everybody what the best of the best is and, and all of those types of things. But at the end of the day, it, it the biggest issue surrounding sleep, and this includes supplementation, this includes medication is attitude.
4: Hmm. It's
1: all about your attitude, how you approach sleep. Now this is going to sound very woo woo, but I've got a lot of data on this. Right. And so I'm going to give you an example. So one of the things that happens to most of my clients is they come to me and they say, Dr. Bruce, I wake up between 2.30 and 3.30 every night, right? Sound familiar?
2: Yeah, right? can't go back can't to sleep. Go, yeah.
1: Right, can't go back to sleep, not going on. So what do they do? First thing they do is they look at the clock.
2: Yeah, go get a bowl of cereal.
1: instantly do the mental <laughs> math. Serious? Serious.
2: <laughs> go get a bowl of right? I can't
1: sleep. Huh. And then they get pissed.
2: Yes. Yes, right?
1: me. Right. And so that anger, that frustration causes what we call autonomic arousal right? So physiologically, you are turning things as you're getting angry, you're turning things on that are the opposite yeah. of sleep. Um, right? Yeah, so yes. when you look at that clock, and you do that math, and you can't help do that math, you're pissed. Yeah. So the easiest and the most effective thing that I've ever done with people more effective than sleeping pills and supplements and chronotypes and things like that, is this one very straightforward, simple concept. When you look at the clock, Here's what you say. This is awesome. It's 3.30 in the morning. I've got to get up at 6.30. I've got three hours where I might be able to get some more sleep. Here's one thing that Dr. Bruce taught me. If I lie here and relax, one hour of rest is equal to about 20 minutes of sleep from a rejuvenation standpoint, which is true. So if I just sit here and chill and be optimistic and look forward to the possibility of getting some more sleep, that's awesome. If I don't get it, I know I'm going to be waking up at my six fifteen normal wake up time. And I get up and I start my day within seven days, the whole thing starts to switch and your entire attitude starts to starts to flip. So you guys know this from sports. So you know that there were things that you would do in your mind to get you there. Yep. Yep. Right.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Correct. Agree, yes. Okay. Yep. You did things to, this is how you do it with sleep. Make sense? It it makes sense? It makes sense. But
2: that's, that's a, you know, a three o'clock in the morning, Doc, trying to be positive. Because again, I mean, I, that's something I'm going to have to work on because you're right. I mean, you hit it on the head as far as the frustration yep. of knowing that I got maybe two hours before I definitely had to get going. I'm looking at the clock. I'm pissed off that I, the fact that, you know, I'm up and I can't go back to sleep. There's, there's just so much frustration that leads to, yep. and there's sometimes, Doc, I'll tell you this. There are times where I'll just go ahead and stay up. That's, how that's not necessarily
1: I am. a bad strategy depending upon what's going on, but it's, right. it's individual. It's personal. I don't want to tell people, Hey, if you wake up at three o'clock in the morning, stay up. But at the end of the day, changing that attitude in the middle of the night, it takes some time. It took me almost three weeks before I was able to, when I looked at that clock, not get pissed. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Just not, because yeah. I had to do it myself. What, what about immune? anxiety? Like, none of us like, are immune to it.
0: What if you just wake up with anxiety? Like, and there's a couple, couple instances I say. So like, training camp. It was it was every day, right? Like you just don't want to wake up. You don't want to wake up. You don't want to wake up. Yeah. And so uh you so we would um so I would wake up and I'd say, okay, hey, I got I got an hour left. Yes, awesome. And really quickly I'm asleep. Right. It but it's I blink That's my right. eyes and then I wake up and my the hour is gone. Right, right.
1: So so go ahead. So there, so you've already got the skill set. Yeah. You just have to use it in the middle of the night if that's what happens to you. Yeah. Generally speaking, what I what I recommend to people is if you wake up within forty-five minutes of what your normal wake up time would be, mm. go ahead and get up.
0: Okay. Mm. Okay. Don't try because to find it. What's gonna
1: happen is you're gonna fall back asleep, you're gonna get into a deeper stage of sleep, and then you're gonna feel like shit when you wake yes. up.
0: Yes. Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. So your body's already gone through that cycle to start to rev yeah. up, wake up, come out of that cycle. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. today's culture, we're we're obsessed with phones, we're obsessed with um, catching up and so how much have you seen that affect sleep patterns you know across the board with like going to bed looking at a phone and and talk talk through the effects of that that blue light concept
1: sure so I've actually written extensively uh, probably four or five different blogs on the effects of blue light on sleep um, to be clear it's not the only thing that's preventing people from sleeping however there is a large number of people who are playing with their phones before bed they're checking Facebook or they're trying to get their high score on candy crush or yeah. whatever it is <laughs> yeah. right. That's not, there's no runway yeah. to get there, right? You're scrolling, 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 and then you're supposed to fall asleep. Like right. that doesn't work for me, mm-hmm. right? Like it's too much engagement. Mm-hmm. I actually don't have a problem if you want to watch TV. My wife falls asleep with the TV on all the time and I'm the fucking sleep doctor.
4: Huh.
1: I right? <laughs> <So laughs> okay. talk about it all the time to people, right? right? It's what turns her brain off, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. right? So guess what? There's a timer in 99% of the TVs out there. Okay. So the timer. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. If you, if your thing is falling asleep with the TV on, you've heard it here. The sleep doctor says that's okay that is, to do, mm, okay. but it's not okay to have an iPad or a phone and you're, you know, engaging. It's one thing to let content passively, you know, if you're watching an old episode of Seinfeld, yeah, I'm right. really not that worried about it. Yeah. But if you're looking on Facebook about, you know, the social unrest, or you're, they, you're looking at Facebook about somebody's your, new baby, or right. that's not getting your brain ready for bed (laughs) you
0: know what i mean right and then talk about temperature you mentioned it like core body heat and what that is what is the optimal and i want my wife to make sure that she writes this down right now what is the optimal temperature in the house Mm -hmm. to sleep and to get yourself to the best phase
1: so you want it if you can you want it to be between 68 and 72 degrees if you can wow now now to be clear 68 like 68, like right it. at
2: 68.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I, so, I, Don't so, so I'll tell
1: you it. how I came up with those numbers. So what we know is at 75 degrees... Um, it becomes so hot that you're, you end up throwing the covers off and you have to wake mm-hmm. up to do that. Mm-hmm. And at 65 degrees, it becomes so cold that your body won't go into REM sleep because it's, it's it has to move around to create friction. Okay. So there's a wind, there appears to be a window between 65 and 75 degrees. Look, I lived in Arizona for 10 years. If I could cool my house to 75 degrees, it would have cost me a fortune. Yeah, right. So yeah. There are some places in this universe where you're never going to get to that to that zone. So just, again, as cool as you can get, it is always going to be better.
0: OK, interesting. what are your thoughts on, you know, uh, uh, like measurement tools like whoop straps and stuff like that to really monitor? And do you use tools like that to with your clients and to measure where they're at? So
1: with all of my clients, I do use tools like that. Uh Um, To be fair, none of them are amazingly accurate. Okay. Um, Uh Here's the thing. Sleep is a complicated metric. Steps are easy, right? My daughter can, that's a calculus problem, right? It's the length of your leg and your gait and you swing it and you get your number, right? Sleep is much more complicated than that. I mean, how do you measure what a good night's sleep is? It is how fast you fell asleep, is how quick you got to REM, is how quick you got to deep, is how much deep, is how many awakenings, is the length of the awakenings. I mean, dude, I could go on and on and on. So there's a lot of different numbers that are in there. I will tell you that nobody has done a good job of teaching people what to do with the metrics that are coming out of these devices. Mm. Um, Nobody has done a good job of that. Um, I personally, uh, with my patients, I use the Aura Ring. Um, I like it because it's easy um it gives me really interesting data and i know how to manipulate that data to figure out what's going on.
0: Okay.
3: Awesome. So sleep sleep is so weird to me. I'm just sitting here listening to, listening to all this and it's just such a funny concept that we go into a room, we shut the lights off for 6 to 8 hours or however long and and we're basically paralyzed. So, why do we need to sleep? First of all, and second like what's happening when we're sleeping? Like what's what's the body going through? You keep mentioning cycles. What what are those mm-hmm. cycles? Sorry, this is where my brain goes when when I'm thinking about this conversation. Yeah.
1: So when you start to look at sleep from a fundamental standpoint, there are a couple of different aspects to think about. So one is the different cycles, right? And how do those work? So it turns out that there are two specific systems in the brain for sleep. One is called your sleep drive. The other is called your circadian rhythm right? We've been talking about both of those in different ways. Sleep drive is basically a buildup of a hormone in your brain. So when a cell eats a piece of glucose, something comes out the back end. It's called adenosine works its way through the system and accumulates in your brain. That makes you get sleepier and sleepier and sleepier. That's one aspect of sleep. The second is this idea of circadian rhythm. So you ever notice how you're hungry around breakfast time, around lunchtime and around time?
0: right?
1: Those are circadian rhythms for hunger. Same holds true with sleep. Most people, at least here in North America, have a tendency to get sleepy, somewhere between 10.30 and 11.30 at night. Mm-hmm. So that's the circadian rhythm. When both of these systems are aligned, you sleep. Mm-hmm. If either one of them is off, that's when you have a sleep disorder. Okay. Cycles are what your brain goes through from an EEG standpoint. So we measure sleep in lots of different ways, but one of the ways we measure them is with brain waves. And what we've discovered is that brain waves go into different patterns, and these patterns are what we call sleep stages. The good news is we've discovered what these stages do for our bodies. Stages three and four is the physical restoration. Stage REM, which is what we've known as dream sleep, is actually for the mental restoration. That's where all of our memories have a tendency to consolidate.
0: Okay, mm. well, hey, we want to be respectful of your time. We really, really appreciate. It. I mean, literally, I think we've scratched the surface. We do want to follow up with you, though, because yeah, I'm Darren, definitely going to work with Darren. What's yep. to get with you, and we want to we want to document that so we can give a real life testament mm-hmm. to our, our listeners the effect that you can have. Um, but really quickly, could you just run through your website, thesleepdoctor.com, um, ways yeah. to get a hold of you, any resources mm-hmm. that you have, and then you know, again, you know, why. Somebody, maybe a high performer that is struggling with sleep, why they need to come talk to you?
1: Sure, sure. So I'm super easy to find on the internet. It's just thesleepdoctor.com. That was a great purchase of a URL, by the way. <laughs>
4: um,
1: <laughs> um, I'm super easy to find on the internet. I uh, We can also put in the show notes. I've actually created a landing page specific for COVID. Okay. So um, if people want to go to thesleepdoctor.com forward slash sleep hyphen pandemic, You'll see there's a tremendous amount of resources there. I even give people um, uh, audio files to listen to to help okay. relax them before bed. Right. That might be good for you. Yep. Um, so I, I think that would be a valuable resource. Also, I drop tips all the time on Facebook and Instagram, and my handle there is the Sleep Doctor. Okay. So it's consistent across all platforms. Okay. You can find me that way on LinkedIn too.
0: And then your book. Because that's and my uh, book
1: is called The Power of When, um, and that Chrono Quiz is what tells you about your Chronotype. Mm-hmm. Um, I do work with um, celebrities, athletes like you, like you guys, CEOs, people like that. I have a very limited um, practice. I only see about three or four patients at a time, okay. and I spend an intense amount of time, and we just fix it.
0: Okay, that's I awesome. love that. We I do. love that.
2: Well, go ahead. Well, hey, look, Doc, we we've, we've been wanting to get you on. I know I've been a little bit, you know, pushing. Uh, hard for to get you on based on the fact that the problems Thanks. that I have, and there's so many that are having the same problems as far as sleep. And I, and we today we really appreciate mm-hmm. you coming out and 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 giving us this information and, mm-hmm. and and giving not only that but going back into your history. I mean, I, there's one thing I learned today is not only about sleep, but I mean when you mentioned Cooper and. Mm-hmm. How you get your son involved, I mean, that's life changing, that's and awesome, that's something yeah. that's you know totally awesome for me, and that uh, yeah. I definitely will apply. Yeah. Well, Dr. Bruce, thank, thank
0: you, thank you so much for be your time, done. and we will absolutely have you back on and we'll be in touch soon.
1: Yeah, no, I'm ex- I was excited to have the opportunity to talk with you guys, and uh, I was excited to share with you um some of the things other than, sleep, um, more about my life. I appreciate, <laughs> yeah. I certainly appreciate you guys being interested in that. And nice. I wanted to thank you for a great opportunity and a great conversation.
0: Yeah. absolutely. Um,
1: you know, I don't always have great conversations with people. You guys are definitely <laughs> into it. You're a fun group to work with. So thank you. And, and I'm sure your listeners appreciate you quite a bit. Yeah.
0: Thank you thank so you much. Dr. Thanks, Dr. Appreciate it. Appreciate
4: it.